John 17, we'll begin reading this morning, beginning in verse 6 and look and read down to verse 10. John chapter 17, as we are just going chapter by chapter, verse by verse through this glorious gospel here. John chapter 17, verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray not for them. Oh, I'm sorry. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Again, this chapter is the Lord Jesus Christ praying before He goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. The words are recorded here for us under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The disciples are with Him. He has spent several days teaching them. And now He is praying. And after praying for Himself, in the first five verses, declaring His desire that His Father would be glorified in the remainder of His life and all that He would accomplish in the salvation of sinners, He now turns His attention to begin praying for His disciples. He is leaving them. He is returning to His Father in heaven. They are remaining. They have been entrusted with His message. They have been entrusted with the continuation of His ministry. They will be facing the same trials, the same kind of trials that He faced while He was on the earth. The same enemies that He faced will be their enemies. They will be hated of all men, He told them. And in light of that kind of a life, the life that they will face after He leaves and goes to be with His Father, He prays for them. He prays for them. He prays specifically that their life would bring glory to Himself while they are representing Him and His Father on the earth. Verse 10, All and all mine are Thine, and Thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. I'm praying that I am, present tense, continuing, will, and presently being glorified, and will continue to be glorified in them. He prays specifically that their life would be preserved while they were representing the true God on the earth. Verse 11, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to Thee. Holy Father, keep through Thine own name those whom Thou hast given Me, that they may be one as we are. 
Keep them. Preserve them. I am leaving them. I am going back to, to you in heaven. And they are going to continue in the face of all that I have faced over three years plus. They're going to continue in the midst of it. Preserve them. Keep them. Guard them. Protect them. But as he prays, he also expresses all he has done for them in order that they might be able to properly represent Him and God on the earth. Verse 6, I have manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest Me out of the world. Thine they were, and Thou gavest them Me, and, I have, and they have kept Thy word. I have shown them something. I have made known to them something. The things that He is praying over beginning in verse 6 as he goes down through this is the things that he has done for them to equip them to carry on the work while he is gone. The first thing that he mentions is that he has manifest, he has made known unto them the name of God. The name of God. There are two great truths bound up in that phrase, I have manifest. Two things that we can draw out of those three words. The first is this. We cannot know God unless and until He is made known to us. I have made known the name of God to them. They have not stumbled on it by accident or discovered it by their own labors and efforts, but it was me that had made you, my Father, known to them. Why is it that the Scriptures teach that we cannot discover God on on our own? Well, first, we cannot know God unless and until He knows, unless and until He reveals Himself to us, because God is invisible. Children, you memorized this scripture earlier, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17. You remember it? Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. 1 Timothy 1, 17. If you don't know that verse, children, memorize it because it helps you to understand who God is. He is Eternal. He is immortal. He is invisible. We can see things, but we can't see that which is invisible. We can touch and feel and taste and hear and, 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 and see, but we can't touch and hear and taste and feel that which is invisible. God is invisible and therefore must make Himself known. The second reason why it was necessary for Jesus Christ to make known the Father to His disciples is because God is infinite. In the book of Job, in chapter 11, verse 7, Job chapter 11, verse 7, the Scripture says, Canst thou by searching find out God? It is one of those questions in the Bible that is asked not to get an answer because you already know the answer. It's called a rhetorical question. It's asked because you already know the, the answer to it. 
Can you, by searching, discover God? And the answer is no. You cannot, by searching on your own, discover who God is. You are finite. You are limited to time and space. And even if you were to live 70 or 80 or even 100 years and spent the whole of that existence searching for God, you could not discover who He was because He is infinite. And you are finite. And that which is finite, that which, that which is limited to time and space, cannot discover that which is unlimited and not bound by time and space. God cannot be discovered by our best efforts on our best days. He is infinite. The third reason why it was necessary for Jesus Christ to manifest the name of God unto His disciples was because He cannot be discovered by natural means. And I've already addressed that. We are natural beings. God is a spiritual being. God is a spirit. We are flesh. We can touch and see and hear and smell and taste. But God doesn't, is not discovered in that way. In the book of Matthew, chapter 11, in verse 27, Jesus Christ says, All things were delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, and neither knoweth any man the Father. No man knows the Father, cannot know Him, cannot discover Him by natural means. Save the Son, and whomsoever the Son shall reveal. The Son has to reveal who the Father is. We cannot know Him by our natural means. Men want to know God with natural means. That's why they draw pictures, or carve wood, or make idols out of stone or metal. They want to know God by some natural means. They want to be able to touch Him and and see Him and, and, and carrying Him around with Him. And they, they want to be able to handle Him the way they do all the rest of the things in the world. But God cannot be handled like the rest of the things of the world. And men's best efforts to carve Him out of a piece of wood or make Him out of a molten image or draw a picture of Him can never, can never display who God is. Never. God cannot be revealed with a physical image of any kind. He cannot be. We sing a song. It goes like this. Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light, inaccessible. Not able to be accessed. In light, inaccessible, hid. From our eyes. The scriptures teach that God is hidden from our physical eyes. And if we were to spend the rest of our natural days searching for Him, we could not, by our own efforts, discover Him. That's the first truth that's bound up in those first three words in John 17, verse 6. I have manifested. I have manifested Thy name. I have made known You to my disciples. The second great truth is this. 
The first is that man by his best efforts on his best day cannot discover God. And left in that state, we would spend all of our days either making up some God of our own imagination or living our life in, in living our life in complete ignorance of God. Never coming to the knowledge of the true and living God. Unless this second truth was this. And that is that God by a great mercy determined to reveal Himself to His creation. People look at this truth and they will look at the first aspect of it that God cannot be discovered by natural means and they get angry at God because they can't discover Him on their own in their own way, and on their own time. They get angry at Him. And if that's the way, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. Instead of looking at the second truth, and that is, God in great mercy reveals Himself to His creation. First, by creation. Creation itself displaying that there is a God. Second, in the Word of God, that God reveals Himself on the pages of this book, if men would but read this book, they would learn something of the true and living God. And they would see from the pages of that book called the Bible that God is different than all the rest of the gods of the world. That the true and living God is different. The third truth they would discover, the third thing is that God sent His Spirit in order to teach men about the living God. It is a great mercy that God determined, God initiated revealing Himself to sinners. And from Adam until this day, and from this day till the end of time, if men come to know anything at all about the living God, it'll be because God has chosen to give them some information about Himself. And you were here this morning and all of you, children, all of you that are here know more about God than the tribals that I ministered to in Northeast India. Every one of you know more about God, whether you're saved or lost in this room, than those tribals that I ministered to on the, in Northeast India that my wife and I ministered to. They are completely ignorant. They are blinded by by things regarding God. Even those who say that they are Christians don't know anything regarding God that you know here just by listening to my voice. You have learned things about the true God that they are completely ignorant of. Jesus Christ said, No man knows the Father except Him that I choose to reveal Him. And that is a great mercy. And God has said that in salvation, God has determined to give an understanding of Himself to His people. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20, we read, And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding. 1 John 5.20 The Son of God came with the intent to give us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true, 
even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. This is the true God and this is the true eternal life. He has given us an understanding of that. That life is in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you know that, if you understand that, even on an intellectual basis, you know more than many people in the world. Many people in the world do not know that Jesus Christ is the way to eternal life. They think baptism is, or good works on their best efforts, or or they have to... They have to have some dream or imagination of who God is. And we ran across that in India where people would have a dream. And because of a dream, they thought they were Christians. You know more than they did. Just from hearing the Word of God that says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him hath everlasting life. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God has determined to give men understanding of Him. God has determined to give men understanding of the way of salvation. God has revealed some things. I, Jesus Christ said, have manifested Thy name. The word or the phrase, Thy name, is the name of God in reference to all that He is and all that He does. It's, it's, it's His whole person. It's as though Jesus Christ were saying, I manifested you to them. I made you known to them. Thy name. That's what it refers to. To who God is. The Lord Jesus Christ had been revealed to them by the name Jesus. Thou shalt call His name Jesus. Why? For He shall save His people from their sins. And God sent Him. And God instructed that His name should be Jesus because He's going to save His people from their sins. And when He came, He came to reveal to people who the Father was. And the name that He used was Father. Father. Well, you've already looked at this in previous messages, but just to let you know, the name revealed by the Lord Jesus Christ was not any of the names by which God was revealed in the Old Testament. He did not come to reveal Jehovah or Elohim. He did not come to reveal those names. He came to reveal God by the name Father. That God would gather sinners, save them, and bring them into His family so that they became brothers and sisters. And He was their Father. I have come to reveal Your name. And I have revealed it. And I have told them that You are Father. And instructed them to pray, Our Father. And given them a heart that says, Abba, Father. Because they become part of the family of God. I have manifest Thy name to the men which Thou gavest Me out of the world. Every phrase in these verses 
is critical. To the men which thou gavest me out of the world. He's referring particularly to the eleven disciples that are left. Judas is still alive, but he is no longer with him. He is betraying the Lord Jesus Christ with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, after this prayer, Jesus will go into the Garden of Eden, a Garden of, of, of Gethsemane, and Judas will lead the crowd into that garden to capture Jesus Christ, chapter 18. Judas is gone. Jesus is speaking of the eleven particularly. I have manifest thy name to the men you gave me out of this world. But the truth of this is that divine revelation, God revealing His, the Son revealing His Father, is also true of every one of the children of God. He is praying specifically for the eleven apostles, those that will carry the gospel into the world. But it is a truth that applies to all of us. If we know God this morning, if we know in the depths of our heart that God is our Father, it is because Jesus Christ has made that known unto us. They were His. Thine they were. They belong to You. But that's true of all of us. Of all of creation, in fact. Psalm 24, verse 1. The Scripture says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Everyone in the world belongs to God. Everyone. He has created them. He gives them life and breath in all things. We are God's by divine choice with regard to salvation. We have been, we have been chosen to salvation. We have been predestinated to be adopted according to the book of Ephesians. We have been ordained to eternal life. The book of Acts says we are God's by God's choice. We are saved on purpose and for a purpose. This is not an accident. God is working. And in that, God is revealing Himself. Not only in creation, but particularly in salvation. Because we are God's. Because we belong to Him. We have been given to His Son. My sheep know My voice. They hear Me. They follow Me. I give unto them eternal life. My Father which gave them Me. Right? Given to the Son by the Father. All the Father giveth me shall come to me. John chapter 6. This is the Scriptures. It teaches us. God had some people that He gave to Jesus Christ. And among them were these eleven. And uh, Jesus said, I have given, I have manifest to them, I have made known to them your name. But again, of course, this is true of all of us. If we know anything at all about God, if we know anything at all about God, the Father. It is because Jesus Christ has taught us and revealed to us who the Father is. Verse 7. Now they have known that all things whatsoever Thou hast given Me are of Thee. Boy, they, who are they? These disciples, these, these are apostles, they know something. I have made known your name to them, and they know something. What do they know? 
Well, they know that all things whatsoever Thou hast given me are of Thee. There's so much here. They have come to a knowledge, a real sense that all things that are necessary to come to know God, to know God's salvation, to know the things related to living for the true and living God, that all of those things necessary had been given them by Jesus Christ and they came by way of God the Father. All things. Not the fullness of God, because we cannot know the fullness of God. Not the fullness of all the plans of God from beginning to end, we cannot know that. But all things relating to time and eternity with regard to our salvation. All things that we need to know about God to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything we need to know about salvation has come to us from God through His Son. That's what it's saying here. Whatsoever Thou hast given Me, are, it, all those things are of Thee. They have their source in the true God. The Son of God came to earth. All things were placed into His hands by the Father. All of those things that were given to Him, He gave to His disciples. The original source is God Himself. Why is this so important in the f- knowing they are going to represent Christ on the earth? Why is this so important knowing that they're going to face resistance with the message that they're going to preach? Why is it important to know that everything we believe Everything we have in regard to salvation is from God Himself. Why is that important? Well, because, brethren, the only thing that's going to keep you standing in the end of it when the evil one is lying in your face and the enemies are, are demanding your life for telling them that, they, that, you're, that you're lying about their God and that the world is coming against you because you are saying that the things of the world are not true, but the things of God are true. The only thing going to keep you standing is to know that this is of God. I didn't make this up. It's not my own imagination. It's not my own ideas. I would not have conjured up this plan on my own. This message on my own. I would not have chosen a pathway that has led to less than have I chosen the pathway of the world where I was already making more than I have ever made in the ministry. I would not have chosen that. I would not have chosen a message to lose friends. I would not have chosen a message to lose family. I wouldn't have chosen that. I wouldn't have made that up. It wouldn't have been part of my plan. The only reason that the apostles stayed faithful in the face of what they faced, the only reason the churches remain faithful to God, the only reason why we have a gospel today that looks like the first century is because men and women and children 
understood this came from God. The source of it is God. How could Moses stand in the face of Pharaoh and lose everything taking his place with a band of slaves if he didn't believe that what he had was of God? I have made known you to them and they now know, understand, and are growing in a knowledge that everything that they have has come from you. Everything. This is the doctrine that sets our feet on solid ground. The source of everything related to true Christianity is out of God and through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The source of everything that is in our hearts, in our souls, that is related to truth and salvation, has come to us of God. We are conscious, Christians are. We are conscious that what we have, we have because God has given it to us. It is not something that we obtained by our praying. Not something we obtain by our baptism. It is not something we obtain by turning over a new leaf or praying this prayer or that. It is not something we obtained on our own, on our best day, by our best efforts. It's something that came to us from God. And that settles us. It settles us. We have a consciousness that God has done something for us. This is what Paul argues. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 and 31. He writes to the churches, this apostle does. And he says to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 and 31, But of Him are you in Christ, who of God, was made unto you wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Of Him are you in Christ. The source of you being in Christ is God Himself. He writes again, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18. And He says there, And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ. All things that relate to Christianity. In fact, you that are lost, all that you have are of God. Life and breath and all things come from Him. Every breath you take, every, every heartbeat you have, the food, the strength, the wisdom, the knowledge, the, all that you are, all that you have is of God. It is true in a physical realm. It is true in a spiritual realm. Paul writes to the Romans. In Romans chapter 11, verse 36, he says, For of Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Romans 11, verse 36. Of Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things all things. 
And so he says in verse 7, Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. Verse 8, For because I have given unto them thy words, or the words which thou gavest me. I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them. And have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. Well, every statement is connected together and inseparable. What is he saying? I have given unto them the words you gave me. As he walked with them and talked with them, as he instructed them, as he taught them, as he, as he, as he sat with them and, and opened up the Word of God, he gave them what the Father had given him. I have given them what you gave me. Our Lord did not come to this earth to reinforce the doctrines of men. He did not come to this earth to reinforce the doctrines of Judaism. He did not come to this earth to reinforce the doctrines of any man-made religion. Our Lord came to this earth to bring God's Word to sinners. That's our task. God's Word to sinners. I have given them the Word You gave me. Our Lord came to this earth to represent the Father. The words and the doctrine. By the way, the word doctrine uh, is, comes from a Greek word that means teaching. So, Brother Pat, I don't like doctrine. It separates, it divides. You don't like teaching? Because that was, that's what the word means. Doctrine is critical for unity. Absolutely critical. The words and the doctrine that our Lord spoke to His disciples were from His Father. We've already looked at this. John chapter 7, verses 16 and 17. John seven sixteen and 17. Jesus answered them and said, what did He say? My doctrine is not Mine, but His that sent Me. My doctrine is not Mine, but His that sent Me. If any man will do His will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. A man who desires to know if God's Word is true must set his heart to do what God says. And as soon as he is willing to do God's will, he will know and come to know. When his heart is made willing, to do what God says, he will come to know that the truth spoken on this book, in this book, was from God. Part of the problem why people have trouble understanding the Scriptures because they're unwilling to obey what it says. Why should God open up the whole of the Scriptures to you if you're unwilling to do what it says? Why should He? Well, i got to know first if it's true. Well, if it is true, are you willing to do it? Well, I'm not sure. Well then, why do you want to know if it's true or not? You want to know if it's true? Yes, I do. Are you willing to follow it? Well, I'm not sure. Well then, 
Go find another book to read. But if you want to know what God's Word is, if it's true, you come before God and you say, God, okay, whatever. If this is true, I'm following it. The Word of God. Not the Word of men. The Word of God. I was raised Roman Catholic. Y'all know that, right? I've told you. One of the first things I was faced with in reading the Scriptures is a Roman Catholic doctrine that I had been taught. This is what my mother, my grandmother, my ancestors believed. This is what the priest taught me as a child. This is what I've been taught. This is what the Scripture says. soon as you're faced with what the Scripture says and you do this, I'm going to stay here. You have shut it off. How many times have I counseled with people and I've said, this is what the Word of God says. And just to see in them something well up. Barely able to be contained. And to walk out and Turn their back on this to embrace this. Often, often, no one has ever prospered that has ever done that. I have given them the word you gave me. I've spoken to them the doctrine that you gave me. Everything we have, brethren, we have from God that has come to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is especially true concerning the Word of God. If you understand anything of the Word of God, God has taught you something. He may not have taught you the whole of it yet. You may be struggling yet to grasp things. But He has taught you something. Don't turn your back on it. In John 17 and verse 14, our Lord will say again, I have given them thy word. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 11, early in his ministry, our Lord said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know, unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. I have given you the ability to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But not them, but I have given you something. They have received what they knew from God. Brethren, if we know anything, we have of God's Word. It's because God has given us something. But there is something else that is here. Verse 8, I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And then it says, and they have received them. They have received them. God has indeed given us His Word. But we bear a personal responsibility to receive the Word of God. To receive it for ourselves. The preacher's responsibility is to set the Word of God before the people. The people's responsibility is to receive the Word of God. To take it for themselves. 
God has given His Word. He has preserved His Word for us from generation to generation until we come to this day and we can open up the Bible and this is the Word of God and God has kept it for us and preserved it for us. Now, our responsibility is to receive it as the Word of God. How do we do that? Well, the first thing we have to do is open it up and read it. Read it. Believe it. Trust it came from God. Receive it as the Holy Spirit is convincing you of the truth of it. Listen to what Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. He wrote, For this cause also thank, I, thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the Word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God which effectually worketh in you that believe. You understand what Paul is saying? That if a man will not receive this as the Word of God, he cannot be saved. That's why the Jews would not receive what he said. Because they had their own ideas of what Moses had said and he contradicted that. And because he contradicted what their religion taught, then they would not receive his Word. And they laid hold on their tradition and left the Word of God to the side. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, Peter is preaching. It's a day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is poured out. The disciples are on the streets of Jerusalem. Each one is, is, is speaking the Word of God to someone and Peter is preaching. And the men were, and women and children were pricked in their hearts and in verse 41, the Scripture says, they that gladly received His Word were baptized. And the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They received the Word of God. What must we do? Peter said, repent. And they received that Word. Received the Word of God. Believed it. Took it as their own. Believe what God had said about it. They have known surely that I came out from, from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Brethren, I cannot tell you how important it is in the terms of the gospel that we believe that God sent his only begotten Son. True Christians know and believe that the Father sent his Son into the world to save sinners from their sins. The fact that God sent His only begotten Son is critical to true salvation. We maybe haven't thought about that before. Maybe didn't realize that before. Listen to the Scriptures. You can turn there if you want, but I'm going to just read some Scriptures. Five or six of them quickly. Just listen. If you're taking notes, write them down. John 3.17 For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. God sent Him to save people in the world. John 3 and verse 34, For He whom God sent speaketh the words of God. If God had not sent Him, we would have no one to speak the words of God to us. John 5 and verse 38, 
You have not His Word abiding in you. Why do you not have the Word of God abiding in you? Because whom He has sent, you believe not. You won't believe that the Father sent me. And because you won't believe that the Father sent me, you don't have His Word in you. See how critical it is that God sent His only begotten Son into the world? John 6, 39 and 40. And this is the Father's will, which has sent me, that of all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son of God and believeth on Him may have, <clears throat> may have everlasting life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. The resurrection at the last day of the saints is dependent upon them believing that this God sent His Son. And God not only sent His Son, but He sent Him for you to believe. Read it again. This is the Father's will of Him that sent me that you believe. And I will raise you up at the last day. In John 17, verse 8, Jesus is teaching us that He gave the Word of God. And we are to receive them. And we learn from them. And we come to know God through them. And we are to believe them. I have given them the word that you gave me to give to them. This is characteristic of true Christianity and this is characteristic of all who are true Christians. Not just the Lord Jesus Christ's apostles, but we have received the word of God and we believe it. And we believe it if we are true Christians. Verse 9, I pray for them, quickly. I pray not for the world, but for them which Thou givest, given, hast given Me, for they are Thine. I pray for them. Our Lord speaks as the great High Priest praying over His people, and He is praying specifically for the, for the eleven apostles. That's what He's praying about right now. It's not the only thing that he will pray for. Not the only people he will pray for. But in this verse, that's what he's praying for. That's who he's praying for. He prays for their safety, for divine preservation, as we saw in verse 11. He prays for their understanding in the Word of God to grow, to grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He prays for their zeal for the things of God, that they would be zealous. The zeal of God had consumed the Lord Jesus Christ. The zeal for God and God's house had consumed Him in His ministry. Oh, that God would raise up some men who are consumed with a zeal for God. He prays for their ultimate victory over sin and Satan in the world. He prays against every one of their enemies that they would be victorious. He prays for them. I pray not for the world, he says. He does not pray for those who do not belong to him. He does not pray for those who will remain unrepentant and unbelieving until the end. He does not pray for those 
who continually harden their hearts and remain his enemy and, uh, and remain that way all the way to the end. These are left to themselves and left alone. He does not pray for them. It is a hard thing for us to hear the words of Jesus Christ when he says, I do not pray for the world. I pray for these. I'm not praying for the world. But he does pray for unbelievers. He doesn't leave those in the world that are presently unbelievers who will repent and believe unprayed for. He does pray for them. Look down in verse 20. You see, we can't put one scripture against another. We have to take the whole in its, in its teaching. John chapter 17, verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone. I don't pray for these that you've given me out of the world. I don't, not for them, but... But for what? For them also which shall believe on Me through their Word. As the Lord Jesus Christ looks down through the corridors of time, God omniscient, knowing all things, He saw that in the summer of 1975... Pat Horner would repent and believe the gospel message. And he, in John chapter 17, before Gethsemane, prayed for me. And on the cross, and ascended to heaven as the great high priest, praying for sinners. He prayed for those that would believe through the Word that would be preached to them. What does that teach us? I've heard men who say they believe in the doctrines of grace. I had one man tell me once, more than one, but this one I'm thinking about this morning, say, Brother Pat, why are you praying? God has everything in control. God is sovereign. He rules over all. Why are you praying? This was in relation to a conference that we were holding at our church on the south side of San Antonio. I said, I'm praying that God would do something here. God's already going to do something. Whatever God does, He's going to do. Why are you praying? I said, never mind, brother. You don't understand. He doesn't understand. He can articulate the doctrines of grace letter perfect and ask why I'm praying, ask why I preach the Gospel to sinners, and ask why I call men to repentance and faith in Christ. He doesn't understand. Our Lord prayed. The Sovereign of the universe prayed. Does not He know what He's going to do in the summer of 1975 in the life of a 24-year-old young man to save him from his sins? Of course He knows. He knows all things the end from the beginning. Why is He praying then? You see, you can box yourself in with your theology and box God out. I'd rather be on my knees next to the Lord Jesus Christ praying for sinners. Praying for sinners to be saved. Now God knows who is absolutely going to be saved. Every one of them. He's not going to lose one of His sheep. All of them. We don't know that. But we still pray. We pray for sinners. We pray for our loved ones. 
We pray for our children and our grandchildren. We pray for those we meet along the, along the road of life. We pray for those in other nations where our missionaries are laboring. We pray for some we don't even know by face. I get notes from people in other nations and in the States. Brother Pat, will you pray? So-and-so is, is, needs to be saved. So-and-so is ill. I don't know who they are, but I know the one asking me to pray. And I pray. Lord, you know who these people are. You know them. I don't. You know, I've asked you to pray for men you don't even know. And I trust you have. We pray, we pray, we come to the throne of grace, we ask God if He might yet be merciful, we ask God if He might yet be gracious to sinners. Because we believe God's the only one who can save a sinner. We don't believe it's in the hands of the sinner, we believe it's in the hands of God. And we pray and we ask. And we tell sinners you need to repent and believe. And we pray and we ask that God might do something. And at the end of our prayers, we do something that the Lord Jesus Christ didn't do. We say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine will be done. Your will be done. You know what I'm asking for. I don't know what it means in the whole economy of God, but this is what I want. But I'm not trying to force my will on you. I trust you to do right. And I'm still going to ask. Isn't that what David did? I mean, his baby's dying. What else are you going to do but pray, right? What, else, what are you going to do? You're going to pray. You're going to ask God. And the baby died. Alright, I got my answer. And I'm up and I'm going to wash myself and I'm going to go on because I'm not going to charge God with with error, and I'm not going to charge God with making a mistake in my life, but I'm going to pray until that very moment when I know the answer. As long as there's breath in the life of some of those that I love, I'm going to ask God if He might yet show them mercy. Our Lord prayed for those that would believe when they hear the gospel message preached by the apostles and others. I pray for them. I don't pray for the world. He, he knows who He's talking about. He knows those who will die unrepentant. I'm not praying for them. I'm praying for those who will believe through their ministry. All of that are mine and thine are mine and I am glorified in them. I am praying for these. I am praying for these that are true apostles. I am praying for those that you have given me, for those who will repent, who those who will believe the gospel message when it comes. I am praying for all the children of God. I am praying for the family of God. I am praying that they, for all those who will enter into heaven, I'm praying to all that, though, for all those who belong to God, my Father, all of them belong to the Son of God, all of them belong to you. 
All of them are yours and they are mine and mine are thine. And they're going to bring you glory. I'm glorified in them, Father. And I'm praying for them. Praying for that which belongs to God. That's why I ask you to pray for churches that are struggling. If they still belong to God, then pray for them. If they genuinely belong to Him. You say, how do we know? Well, we don't for sure. But you look at the church at Corinth and you look at the church at Sardis and you look at some of those churches in the book of the Revelation and you scratch your head and you say, man, I can't believe God calls that a church. And so I'm going to pray until there is no more evidence that God is there. And then I'm going to pray for something else. Whatever belongs to Him belongs to the Lord. Whatever belongs to the Lord and to the Father may bring glory to them. So give ourselves like like the Son of God has to praying. Praying one for another as I've asked you so often. Praying for this community in which we live. Praying that God may be magnified and glorified in this area. Praying for sinners that are yet outside of Christ. Pray, brethren, like our Lord did. Pray. Let's pray together.